I want to welcome a very good friend of mine, Nate Herbst, uh, today. I mean, I've been excited about this weekend for, for quite a while. Uh, evangelism is a passion, and I've been able to work with Nate through Night Vision for a little over three years uh, now, and also Brandon Cox. I just met Ann, though I thought I met her before, but <laughs> I didn't. And uh, Nate's wife, Erin, has been to help as well. We've had a great time in this evangelism, and I've been excited to tell you that we've learned a lot. We are we're ready to hit the trenches, which is a good thing. And we want to take you with us in hitting the trenches. Before Nate comes up, I want to tell you there are two books that are on the back. I think they're in the back. I don't see the box. But we have these. Nate, Nate has authored these two books. Uh, the first one here is 101. Uh, it, it's easy, effective, and exciting evangelism ideas. And we went through some of this this weekend. And they really are. And the simplicity of all this, folks, is that evangelism is just like what we're doing when we sit right here, or when we go out and have dinner, when we put gas in our cars and we meet people, we just be who we are. And we are led by the Holy Spirit to say what we need to say. Okay? 101 is a, is a great book. Another one here is called Great Commission Leadership. It's a workbook, fascinating book, uh, authored again by Nate, but also contributions from his staff and, and his wife and such good things. You can have these books for $10 a piece. Right there in the back, Nate didn't want me to say that, but I just want to tell you, investing in yourself in the kingdom of God is great. This is a small investment for what you can do, what you learn, what you can learn to do, and go forth and be an, uh, just an amazing ambassador for Jesus Christ. Nate Hurst, come on up here, bro, and Brandon, and your wives want to stand up there and see who you are. <laughs> this is Aaron on my left, your right, I suppose. Hi, Aaron. Then that's Ann. Okay. And this is Nate. This is Brandon. And I just want to step, tell you guys, you're going to enjoy yourself. Hold on. Well, great, guys. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for having us. It's been a pleasure getting to know some of you this weekend at the evangelism training. And it's been refreshing for me. I love doing stuff like this because it's always good to remind yourself of how simple evangelism is and how important it is. And it's easy to get distracted, even in ministry, by all the different things that need to get done, and all the administrative things, and all the different people that we need to work with, and all that's important, but it can quickly distract us from something that's so important, and that's telling the world about a Savior that they desperately need. So I was really excited to be here this weekend, and to get to remind myself just of what a privilege it is to share my faith. And it was good hanging out with Brandon, too. I hadn't seen him in about five or six days. All right, before we get started, you guys could turn to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. We just saw it on the video, but it's going to be kind of our key passage this morning. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And this is Christ's Great Commission. We'll read it in just a minute. But I wanted to start by saying what we're going to talk about today are the keys to, and I don't think I'm overselling this a bit, but the keys to... Joy and purpose in this life and significance for all of eternity. I don't want to show up on that great day when we stand before Christ with nothing resulting from my life. I don't want to escape, as it says in 1 Corinthians 3, as someone as through the flames, with absolutely nothing to show for the life I lived on this planet. I want to get there, and not to show how good I was, but simply because I love my Savior, to be able to offer him a life that I lived on this planet for him. 
And I desperately want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you? Yeah. If you listen this morning and apply what we talk about, that will happen. You will experience a, a life of purpose here in this life. You'll escape the monotony, the downward spiral of society. You'll escape the boredom that is so prevalent in the people all around you. You'll escape the watch TV and go to work, watch TV and go to work, watch TV and go to work lifestyle, and you'll be trading it for one of true significance and meaning. It will be incredible. Not only will you live a life of purpose, but you'll experience so much joy and excitement in your life. So many times people say, I feel like I'm missing out on what I thought Christianity would offer. In fact, there was an alarming statistic that Barna shared in his book Futurecast saying that most Christians feel like they're getting gypped in their Christian life. Hmm. I can tell you exactly why that is. Bill Bright said there are no happy, disobedient Christians, and there are no unhappy, obedient Christians. The key to experiencing the life that you always wanted to experience in Christ is to take him up at his word and walk out a lifestyle of fulfilling the Great Commission in your personal life. And we're going to talk about that today. So there's so much at stake this morning, so pay attention and get ready for a great time. It's going to be exciting. So let's get back to Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Pretty good stuff, right? I hope you don't lose the significance of what Christ just said. We often call this Christ's third greatest commandment. We know the first two greatest commandments, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But I don't think there's any third commandment that would supersede this one, to go and make disciples of all nations. And it's not just a commandment, but it's an invitation, and it really is great. And we're going to talk about that this morning. What's so great about the Great Commission? So what is the Great Commission? I kind of just wanted to find it real quickly, and then I'm going to turn it over to Brandon, and we're going to tag team this a little bit. But what is the Great Commission? The Great Commission is Jesus' command to all believers until he returns, till the end of time, to make disciples of all nations. So this is a command directly to you. This isn't just a general command to all people or all Christians, but as a follower of Christ, he has called you to be a part of his great commission. This is a great call. It includes evangelism and discipleship. You can't possibly make a disciple of someone that doesn't yet know Christ. So it's important to share Christ as part of fulfilling the great commission and making disciples of all nations. This is genius. This is what's been called spiritual multiplication, right? Through the process of spiritual multiplication, do you know how long it would take for this room, if we started right now just multiplying once each year to reach the entire world for Jesus? Less than 35 years. Is that not mind-boggling? Less than 35 years, if we would commit to this process. This is the process that Jesus gave his disciples. They had reached 30-plus percent of the world of their day by the end of that century. This can happen with us as well. And there's never been a time in history where more things have been going in our favor. We've never had the opportunities that we have now to fulfill his Great Commission. The next important thing to know about the Great Commission, 
when we define it, is it has to flow out of a vibrant walk with Jesus. Amen. This can't just be something that we're trying to fabricate in our own flesh. If you're just trying to do it because you feel like you have to, it's not going to be that successful. But when you are passionate about your Savior and allowing Him to live His life through you in the power of the Holy Spirit, this will be the natural life that results. In fact, it's hard to imagine a Christian living with Christ in control, not living a Great Commission lifestyle, because this is his heartbeat, and this is what he will empower. It's also ex exciting, exhilarating, and world and eternity changing. And I think the thing that gets me most is it's God's heart for his world. Amen. Right? If, if I love Jesus, I can't help but want to do what's important to him. Right? It's like my wife. If I love my wife, I can't help but do what's meaningful and significant to her. She wanted my phone so bad this week I had to give it to her. <laughs> but anyway, if we really love Jesus, we're going to be glad to serve him in this way. Bill Bright defined the Great Commission this way. It's the greatest challenge ever given to man by the greatest person who has ever lived. No matter how wealthy, famous, brilliant, or powerful you may be, you will never give yourself to any cause that can compare with this life-changing, even world-changing call of God. No matter how many honors, awards, or achievements may be placed in your hands, nothing can even begin to compare with this command of our Lord Jesus Christ to, tell, to help take his message of love and forgiveness to every person, in every community, in every city, in every country of the world, and make disciples of all nations. Amen. It really is the greatest command ever given by the greatest person that's ever given a command. So what's so great about the Great Commission? This is what we're going to talk about today. The Great Commission is the greatest adventure you'll ever set out on. It really is. It's the greatest opportunity that you'll ever encounter. And finally, the Great Commission is the greatest journey with your greatest friend, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My son Micah, who's not in here today, he's in the nursery. He loves doing anything he can with me. And whatever I'm doing, he wants to be doing it with me. He cannot bear being told that he can't come with me, even to things that you wouldn't think he liked at all. But the reality is that he loves going with me, and it's that same connection with your Father, with God, that you'll experience as you follow his Son, Jesus Christ, your Savior, in the Great Commission. So, the Great Commission is the greatest adventure that you're ever going to set out on. In 28, 18 through 19, it says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Okay? Therefore, go. So the Great Commission starts with a command to go. And you can't really have an adventure without deciding to go. Brandon is going to take me hunting next week, right? Yeah. <laughs> we hunt together every fall. And we have to go. If we sit in our living rooms, neither of us are going to shoot an elk. If we go, we might have a shot at an elk. Last year, we both got one opening morning within about an hour of shootable light. That's not always the case. But it'll never happen if we're sitting in our living rooms, right? See, every adventure starts with the decision to get up and go. And if I sit where I'm at, I'm never going to get up and go. Likewise, with this great call from our Savior, we're called to get up and go. We have to take a step. It's not going to happen if we just sit around waiting for it to happen. It's going to happen when we make the decision to get up and go. This is the greatest adventure in all of creation, in all of eternity, but it takes a decision to get up and go. 
So as we unpack this adventure and we dig into the Great Commission, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Some of us might be thinking, uh, me? Like, how, can God seriously use me? Um, I'm, I'm so small and I'm so unworthy and I have so much weakness. And so I want to encourage you this morning that God does want to use you and he does have a plan for you. And uh, so this is the beauty and this is a part of God's grace for us. Not only does God atone for our sin and take away our guilt and our shame, he takes it up a notch even further than that. We didn't deserve any of that, but he takes it even further. And he invites us, he gives us a role in his mission and his plan. And he, he gives us this title. 2 Corinthians 5, 19-20 talks about this title and this job that God gives us. Says he has committed to us the message of reconciliation, making people right before God. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, isn't that a high calling that we are God's ambassadors? We represent God. I picture, you know, the United Nations. And imagine if there is a table that said the kingdom of God, and God calls each one of us, we're his ambassadors. We get to sit at that table. So God can use us in spite, of, in spite of our weakness. And an example that I see in scripture of someone feeling like weak and I can't do this is the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, he's standing before the throne of God and God's holiness. And he says, woe is me. I am undone. And I'm pretty sure what he means by that is I'm an unraveled mess. Like before God's holiness, I'm, I'm ruined. But God atones Isaiah's sin and takes away his shame and guilt and his attitude changes just like that. It goes from I am ruined to send me, send me, I will go for you. And so that's each of our response. When God hears our sin and takes away our guilt, we can be sent out by God. And so no weakness is too weak for God's perfect power. He can use all of us. And so this is a part of the full life that Jesus talked about. In John 10, 10, Jesus says, I have come so that they might have life to the full. Right. And Jesus talks more about this full life speak in John 4. And he says that Jesus is the living water. And this living water is welling up to eternal life. And that verb, welling up, it's in the present tense. It's ongoing. It's continual. So eternal life starts now. When I believed in the gospel and repented of my sin and I died to my old self, I was born again as a new Christian, but that's when eternal life started. And it's been welling up. So how silly is it for me to sit around wanting this abundant life and wanting this full, exciting life when it's available to me right now? So an example of this is just campus evangelism, or even, you know, things like night vision, or later on we're going to go sharing the gospel in mantras. But stories like this, it's fulfilling, it's adventurous, and it's fun. We look forward to it. We're going to share some exciting stories with you guys this morning, and it's because it's our joy. These stories mean a lot to us. It's God's power, and it's His, it's His gospel. We're not ashamed of it. So on the college campus, it can be pretty depressing, really, um, the statistics are really high for the number of college students who are walking around depressed. Some research has shown that up to 
at some point will be so depressed that they can't even function. And I've, I've seen that. So anyways, we're going around talking to people we don't know and we're sharing the greatest news possible. And we're getting out of our comfort zone. And we're asking people about their lives, about their families, and about their interests. And so this, this is a joy. And when we're in eternity one day, we're going to reflect on these stories continually. So this is kind of the adventure that God is inviting us to. And I wanted to remind you this morning that he can use you right where you're at. Absolutely. Do you want to live that life where you wake up every day with a sense of anticipation? Wondering what does this day hold? What's God going to do in and through me today? My wife was an awesome example of this recently. She had been going to campus a day every week. It's hard to juggle our schedule with kids and she does homeschooling and things like that. But anyway, she'd been going to campus every Thursday and praying, God, I'm so sick of talking to all these people that just aren't interested because she'd had a lot of apologetical conversations and we love those conversations, but she just said, I want to talk to some hungry people. So she started praying, God, let me talk to some people that want to know about you. And she ended up leading somebody to Christ each week for the next four weeks. And one of those young ladies is now a, an up-and-coming, kind of a growing leader in our ministry. And it was really, really exciting to see God answer that simple prayer. But can you imagine the sense of adventure that would be yours if you got to live life with that sense of anticipation? That's what I want. That's what Aaron was asking for. I hope that we'll all begin to experience that kind of life of exciting adventure as we follow Christ and his great commission. I could tell you so many different stories about the young man that told us that he would kill himself if we didn't tell him how to be right with God. The young man this year that was thinking of killing himself before he came to know God. We could go on and on and on. The young lady that Aaron got to help lead to Christ that had clinically died because of alcohol poisoning had been jump-started back to life in the ER, and they just happened to share the gospel with her the following week. Incredible stories that God was very involved in. It's a life of adventure that you'll never experience any other way. And there's so much personal fulfillment knowing my life counted today. Every single morning I pray, God, make this day significant for eternity. And that's truly my heart's cry that I could live each day with that kind of expectation. That God will make this day significant for eternity. And that is an adventurous way to live. And I hope that every one of you will get to experience that as a daily process in your lifetimes. Okay, so the greatest adventure... It's also the greatest opportunity that you'll ever encounter. This isn't just a duty. Remember in 1 John we're told that God's laws are not burdensome, right? God's law is good for us. But also each of his commands are, are there with our best interest in mind. Isn't that right? Amen. And when we're called to partner with him in the Great Commission, it's not just for the people out there. It's also for me. It's also a great opportunity for me. And it's a great opportunity for the entire world. Isn't it a great opportunity for somebody to hear the gospel that's never heard it before? Amen. I think of a guy that I shared with, Brandon and I actually were there sharing with him. This is three and a half years ago. And he was almost belligerent in his um, vocabulary that day. He was cussing a lot. I went away thinking the two other people, there are three that we shared with, I thought the two other people that we shared with were much more interested in him. 
And I actually ended up putting a lot more time and energy into those two people than into him. I lost contact with him. Those two people never trusted Christ, but a year later he called me and said, can we please talk about God? He ended up putting his trust in Christ. He just changed his major so that he can become a pastor after he graduates. That's exciting. That was an opportunity for me. I got to be a part of something that I'll never forget. But it was an opportunity for him. He got to forsake his old way of life and to experience Christ. He got to be forgiven for his sins. And now he looks forward to a lifetime of serving God and experiencing purpose like he never imagined. He told me my degree was in geology. And the only reason I wanted to do that degree was to make lots of money. I guess that's the highest paying degree in college right now because of the oil and gas and all that. But he goes, I don't want to do that anymore because I want to do something better with my life. I want to serve Jesus. Isn't that incredible? So it's an opportunity for you to be a part of the Great Commission, but it's also an opportunity for those you reach out to, an opportunity that they might not ever encounter elsewhere. Jesus told us, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. What a privilege. Each of you are called to make disciples and teach people that you're discipling all that Christ commanded you. That's not just Buddy's job. It's Buddy's job to equip you to do that job, right? And I love Buddy's heart to do that. That's why he did this this weekend. The reality is that you're called to teach other people what Christ has commanded them and to pour your life into them. And that is an incredible call. So never in history has this opportunity been more real than it is today. This is a real opportunity. Transportation, communication, technology, the internet, smartphones, open borders, all of these things have created an opportunity like never before in history. Facebook has 2 billion users, is that right? They've been around for less than a decade. You, with a good idea and a little initiative and in the power of the Holy Spirit could reach just as many if not more. Amen. We live in a time of opportunity and it's time for us to take advantage of that opportunity. Again, through spiritual multiplication, just investing your life in somebody and training them to do the same, to do the same, to do the same, mm -hmm. the whole world could be reached in less than 35 years. We can do this. The opportunity is incredible and we can't blow this opportunity. You guys ever heard of Ronald Wayne? Probably not, right? So Mark Batterson, in his great book, All In, describes the story of this guy who was one of the co-founders of Apple. Ronald Wayne is the third and usually unheard of co-founder of Apple, in addition to Steve Jobs and Steve Wozinski, right? Is it with Wozniak? Wozniak. All right. So anyway, out of those three founders... He was the only one that cashed in his 10% share in the company a week after they officially became a company. Do you know how much he earned from cashing in? $800. Oh, wow. You know what 10% of Apple's stock right now would be worth? Over $50 billion. He blew it. He blew a huge opportunity, right? In all in, Mark Batterson says... Whatever you do, don't be Ronald Wayne. <laughs> don't be Ronald Wayne. And that's the same encouragement that I want to share with you this morning. We can't possibly blow this opportunity that we have. 
Listen, today 260,000 people are going to hear the gospel around the globe. Isn't that exciting? Today, 174,000 or so will come to know Christ personally. Of course, these statistics are a little ambiguous. It's hard to get actual statistics. These come from the traveling team, a great, great commission-focused ministry. But 174,000 or so people will come to know Christ. That includes 34,000 in South Africa, 30,000 in China, 25,000 in Africa, 16,000 Muslims today will come to know Christ, and more elsewhere. Is that exciting? Amen. Does that Amen. sound like a great opportunity? Okay, now in America, the church is decreasing. In America, we're losing the battle. Jesus put you here in Montrose for a reason. In Acts 17, 26 through 27, we read, and I've stood right where Paul preached this numerous times with Aaron and with several students on trips to, to Athens, Greece. But from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. God has determined the time that you're alive and the place that you live for what reason, according to this passage? So that people would reach out for him and find him. Amen. I know God wants the people in your sphere of influence to reach out for him and find him. Amen. And he's put you there to make that possible. And it doesn't end there. He wants those people to be discipled, to do the same thing with people in their spheres of influence. What an incredible opportunity we face. Do you guys remember how horrible you felt when our beloved Broncos blew an opportunity <laughs> last, last Super Bowl? <laughs> Brandon and I were almost crying. We happened to be with about 20 students, and Ann and Aaron were there too. And it was a pretty miserable night, right? It was horrible seeing them blow this opportunity. Guys, the fact that the American church is blowing the opportunity we have is even more disheartening. It's even more horrible. I don't want to blow the opportunity God's given me. I want to take advantage of this opportunity to make the most of it. You probably look at this society and say, I can barely stand to turn on the news. The downward spiral of the United States of America is almost unbearing, right? And it's un almost unbearable, I should say. Well, this is our opportunity to actually change that. We need to vote, guys. I'm very politically interested and involved. We need to vote. But even more than that, this country needs a heart change. Right, amen. We need to see people right, come back to Jesus. Amen. And that begins with his followers sharing the gospel and making disciples. Amen. So this is your Amen. opportunity. And this is your opportunity for a life of impact. I'm pretty sure none of you in here wants to live an insignificant life. Right? Is that safe to say? My dad, from the youngest time, and this is my dad who visited with us this morning, from a very young age, from five, he took our family on the mission field. And we got to go all over to crazy places for the next decade and a half. And I thank my dad so much for instilling in me a passion to serve God and a willingness to take risks. But that is something that we should all emulate. Mm -hmm. Dave Early puts it this way. He says, never underestimate the power of multiplication to fulfill the Great Commission. When you totally commit yourself to a life of radical discipleship and making disciples, you can unleash an unstoppable force. If you want to make a huge impact, implement the power of multiplication. We mentioned this this week, but in Matthew 9, 37, 
Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The problem with the harvest isn't the people out there. It's the right. people in here. Amen. And I'm not saying that just about you. I'm saying this about myself and about the body of Christ in this nation. Amen. See, we're the limiting factor to what God wants to do in our world. Right. If we obey him, great things happen, both in our own lives and out there. When we don't obey him, guess what happens? Nothing. Right? We reap the reward of not sowing, which is no harvest, right? Okay, so the harvest is very plentiful. I want to give an illustration of what discipleship could really look like, and specifically just through my own life, what it looked like for me getting follow-up and discipleship when I was a new believer. And so I stepped foot on the Fort Lewis College campus in Durango as really a baby Christian. My faith wasn't my highest priority, and really spiritually I was really vulnerable because I didn't know, you know, what I wanted to dedicate my time to, and I didn't, scripture was not my foundation. So anyways, I met Nate, and Nate challenged me and said that he sees two of the extremes with uh, college students. Either they thrive in their faith spiritually, or spiritually they die. And with that challenge, he asked me to go to coffee with him that week. And so we met, and this was the first time in my life that I had someone walking with me to go through scripture. I needed to know the word, and I didn't know where to begin. So we'd go through scripture, and he'd help teach me these life essentials of being a Christian. What are the main priorities, and what, what what's the plan for growth? And not only that, I got to go in Nate's home and watch him and Aaron, the way that they raise their kids, the way that they handle their finances, and stuff like that. And so the reason I'm sharing this is, who can God use in your life? Who can you invite to dinner or to coffee? And who can you pour into so that they can reciprocate that? This is what we're talking about with this multiplicational discipleship. Who can you pour yourself into? Because um, there's, there's a lot of people that don't have that. And uh, there's just this amazing opportunity. So moving on from there, we've talked about how the Great Commission is this amazing adventure. And it's an opportunity. But we want to take it up even another level. That... The Great Commission is the greatest journey with your greatest friend, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is with us. The end of the Great Commission, Jesus ends it, and he says, Surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Isn't that comforting and encouraging that Jesus is right here with us right now? So we have this unrestricted access through the Holy Spirit in our own lives. And what that looks like is, in Ephesians 1, Scripture tells us, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation, when you believed, you were marked with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So when you came to know Christ personally, you were marked with the Holy Spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit in us as this fellowship with God and this, this communication. It's unrestricted. And so we are never alone. And on the contrary, when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, God is with us and he's living through us and he uses us for great things. He strengthens us in our weaknesses. And we don't use the word friends for no reason. Did you know that Jesus calls each one of us his friends? I was looking at John 15 in verses 12 through 13. Jesus talks about uh, a command to love 
one another and also how he now calls us friends. John 15, 12 says, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. So, first of all, we're unworthy to be servants of Christ. John the Baptist says he's not even worthy to untie the sandals of Christ. But he does call, we are his servants and we're followers of him, and it is a joy to be Christ's servant. But like I said, he takes it to another level when he now calls us his friends, because he includes us in his business. And so when we are working and we're Christ's ambassadors with God, we have this intimate fellowship with Jesus. We're experiencing him in a way that otherwise would not be possible. We get to be in the know. We're in the briefing room of the mission, and then we also get to be a part of the job to go and make it happen. And so I want to share a story about what this intimacy with Christ could look like. This summer, we hosted this great commission leadership workshop. We had a bunch of people come up and learn how to do evangelism and discipleship. And one day, we went out sharing the gospel on the streets of Durango. And this lady, Julie, went out with a staff member and they're sharing the gospel in town, and they got to share the gospel with this young lady. She's sitting on a park bench, and right then and there, that day, this lady accepted Christ. She was, she was ready for this, and she needed to hear this message. She acknowledged her need for a Savior. So they got to pray with this young lady. They got to cry with her. It was just this really moving experience. But what will change my life, and and I'll never forget, is Julie's response. We got to talk to her after that. She, she was in the clouds. She was having an amazing experience. This is Julie's response to that situation. This is the best day ever. I feel like I am walking on the kingdom on earth. I've never felt this way before. I've never felt so in the right place in my life. They experienced this fellowship with Jesus that would have been impossible if they didn't step out in faith. And this whole conversation was obviously orchestrated by God, but it took them, you know, taking the initiative and the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is the Great Commission that you're called to. When you think, what is the Great Commission? I hope you're getting a picture. that it's not just some commandments from Christ. It's not just the third greatest commandment. Mm -hmm. This is quite the privilege. This is quite the adventure, quite the opportunity, and quite the journey with my friend in growing closer to him. So as we begin to summarize what we've been saying and begin to close it out, I'd be crazy not to give you some great ways that you can put this into practice today. So here are two different ways that come to mind that I'd like to encourage you to take a step right now, okay? Number one, in The Fuel and the Flame, Steve Shadrach puts it this way, and it's a great book on college ministry, but it's relevant to any kind of ministry. He says, how can I tell if you've taken personal responsibility for the Great Commission? Simple. You have a plan to pull it off. In other words, if I'm living my life without any kind of structured, organized plan to fulfill the Great Commission, I have not yet owned the Great Commission. Amen. If, however, I'm living my life intentionally, 
thinking about the areas that I live, work, play, do other things, and asking God for opportunities to make a difference for him in those areas, planning to share Christ with people in those areas, planning to make disciples with those that I can pour my life into. When I'm looking at life that way, it shows that I've owned his great commission, right? That I've taken his command personally. So before we get started with the two application ideas, I simply want to encourage you to evaluate your life. Have you owned his great commission yet or not? Do you have a plan to pull it off, as Steve Shadrach says, or not? If you don't, don't worry. You're still alive. You're not in heaven yet. You have more time ahead of you to make a difference for Christ. Aaron's grandmother is my favorite example of this. She's 86, and she's as spry and energetic as anyone I know. And she constantly says, when she calls us, I pray every day, God, take me or use me. Guess what? He uses me. <laughs> I think, what a great attitude on life. See, we never need to back down from the life of purpose that God has called us to. So evaluate yourself. Have you owned his great commission as a personal command from Christ or not? If you haven't, I would ask you to, to right now just say, Jesus, I'm in. I'm all in. Use my life. Make a difference in this world and eternity through my life. I'm willing, just like Isaiah said, send me. And now here are two different ways that you can do that. One, we do have a couple copies of a couple books in the back. And I was going to say, and you can disregard, Rick. <laughs> if you want to give $10, you can. If you want to give a different amount, you can. If you don't have anything to give, just take the book. We have two books that are going to help you learn how to live a lifestyle of fulfilling the Great Commission. So Great Commission Leadership is the first book that really will, it's a workbook that you can work through, and it'll help you become a Great Commission leader. It'll help you become someone who is doing the Great Commission and leading others to do the Great Commission as well. And that's why we chose that title. If you're doing the Great Commission, it inherently involves multiplication, which involves you showing the next generation how to do it, and even showing the next generation how to show the next generation how to do it. A pastor once asked me, so when you get to a point of maturity with somebody in the discipleship process, do you quit meeting with that person and then go to new people that are young in Christ? I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> that person is finally where they can start multiplying. I want to put more time and energy in there, right? That's exactly when to do it. So you need to become equipped to be the Great Commission leader that God made you to be. You can get it. Also, this starts with evangelism again. Again, my dad modeled a heart for evangelism my entire life, even embarrassing me on a daily basis as a kid by giving out tracts to everything that moved. But the reality is that we can learn to share our faith effectively in whatever situation we're in. And the 101 Easy, Effective, and Exciting Evangelism Ideas book will help you do that. All right, so that's one application. Pick up one or both of those books and learn how to share your faith and make disciples. And then application number two... A good place to get started is, we call it just a top 10 prayer list. Mm -hmm. Who are 10 people that you can commit to praying for to come to know Jesus? And write that down, put it in your journal. Ideally, pray for this every day or for sure on a regular basis. And can you see how God would use that to change your heart? Kind of an example, maybe a nephew or a cousin that you have that you might see this Thanksgiving. I would be more likely to share the gospel with them if I start praying for them every single day. And uh, it's just a good thing. Prayer changes things. 
So we call this the divine order. First, talk to God about people, and then talk to people about God. Amen. Absolutely. And that reminds me, the holidays are coming up. Mm -hmm. The 101 Ideas book, we have a whole section on sharing Christ in the holidays. There are 20, one of the ideas is 25 Christmas evangelism ideas. So get equipped and do this. Start praying for those people now so you'll be ready. There's actually a third application that I forgot all about, but I have to mention it, and it's right this morning. And that's going out and sharing our faith in Montrose. Brandon shared about Julie, saying that this is the greatest day ever. I've never felt more like I'm walking in the kingdom here on earth. So many people that we've taken out witnessing come back with exactly that statement. I've never felt more alive than I feel right now. I've never felt more free than I feel right now. If you want to experience a little bit of that, I'm not promising that 19 people will come to Christ this afternoon. I don't know. But I am promising that you'll be changed and that you'll grow closer to Christ through this. If you'd like to join us, meet right back here by the map at noon today. So after this kingdom time that's coming up, at noon, meet right back here at the map. We're going to have seven or ten different locations throughout Montrose. We're going to have some tools we're going to go out with you. It'll be a great time. So please join us and put some of this stuff into application. All right, so in conclusion, what's so great about the Great Commission? Is it great? Amen. I hope you are walking away convinced more than ever that this Great Commission is really great. Remember, the Great Commission is the greatest adventure that you'll ever set out on. It's the greatest opportunity that you'll ever encounter. And it's the greatest journey with your greatest friend, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God has called you. He's also commanded you to fulfill his great commission here and now. So don't miss this adventure. Don't miss this opportunity. And don't miss this journey with Jesus. I promise you, your life will never be the same. You will experience joy unparalleled on this earth. You will experience the purpose that every one of you lives wanting to accomplish. And you will impact all of eternity because of your obedience and the power of the Holy Spirit today. Your life will never be the same if you put this into practice. And guess what? This world will never be the same. Amen. People that you invest in really will go on to make a difference for Christ. Our boss, Russ Aikens, discipled people for the past 45 years or so. Somehow down the chain of discipleship and multiplication... Tony Dungy is a guy that got discipled by somebody that got discipled by Russ. The guy that started Promise Keepers is a guy that got led to Christ and discipled by a guy that got discipled by a guy that got discipled by a guy that got discipled by Russ, something like that, like three and two generations, I think. Russ would know the details. But the reality is he had no idea. He was just investing in people on a college campus in a cafeteria. Last week I'm sitting in the cafeteria and one of the... Um, Bussers cleaning the tables comes up and says, do you ever tell people that your office is in the cafeteria? <laughs> and I said, actually, I do tell people exactly that. So anyway, it's not necessarily the grandest description of your job, but it has eternal significance. Amen. So invest your life in people and you will impact this world and eternity for Christ. Mm -hmm.